In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute you. you. We honor you guys today because you are grinding it out in the stress bubble of life, a.k.a. the arena. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. Our goal from epi, every episode, <laughs> epi. Epi. We have an EpiPin for you for this episode. <laughs> Our goal from every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to the absolute best version of you, because we believe when a man gets it, everyone wins. As you know, I'm here with the backbone producer of the MCP, my good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Awesome. I just... Uh, Went off a decaf two weeks ago and mm-hmm. uh, had a little relapse about an hour ago. So I'm shaking and mm-hmm. rattle, rocking and rattling and ready to rock and roll. <laughs> I don't have any paddles here in case you go down. Uh, if I go down, mouth to mouth. All righty. Mouth to mouth, Dale. Well, it'll Come take on. a while. I'm going to shave your lip first. No tongue. I am shaving your face before I start blowing on that Just thing. kick my chest a few times. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm excited, guys, uh, to bring on uh, our guest for the show today. Uh, and, uh, guys, I want to say something to you. This is a, a, a podcast that really focuses on men living in the stress bubble of life, so that age gap between 25 and 55 But what happens sometimes as men is we don't see the forest for the trees, we get wrapped in the bubble, and what we don't see, what we fail to understand is life beyond the bubble. So what happens when our kids leave? What happens to our marriage? What happens to our our, our children? What happens to uh, our life? What happens to life after retirement? All of these things we really... Uh, need to look at them ahead of time. And I know it's tough when you're in the bubble, but but we've got a guest on today who has his own radio show, and he deals specifically with life beyond the bubble. And this is my new friend, Dan Critchett. Dan, uh, has, let me tell you a little bit about Dan. He is 70 years old. He's been a pastor for 38 years, and he currently hosts a radio show for the last four years called Second Half Now, helping today's 50-plus Americans live a life that matters. He's authored three books, 10 Ways to Save Money on a Funeral Plan, which we won't interview you on that today, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Building building Bridges, uh, Planting Seeds, and the third book, Courageous Churches Can Do Manual. His passion and mission is to help people live a life that matters by finding and fulfilling their God-given purpose. He has uh, his, his children, Joshua, who passed away, unfortunately and tragically, at 17 years old, Zachary, who's 37, and Rachel, who is 33. How are you doing, Dan? 
Hey, doing great. Yeah, glad to be with you guys. It's great to have you on the show. I forgot to add that you live in Portland, Oregon, or do yes, you sir. live somewhere near that? Somewhere near that, yeah. I, my <laughs> home address actually is Portland, yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it was it's really great. Good. We had coffee together at Starbucks uh, probably about a month yeah. ago now, really connected yeah. with Dan. Uh, Dan looks at life a little different than I do, and so together we just really connected with thought process and patterns. We had a great time uh, just discussing uh, ministry to men and families, and so really cool. So, Dan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw you right into what we call our rapid-fire round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, so what we do, what I've picked for you, Dan, because I, 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 when we met for coffee, I could tell that you're a deep thinker. Uh, you really process things with your with your mind, where I tend to process things with my heart, which is why I felt like we really complement each other well. And right. so I, I picked some words that I thought would really resonate with you and what you're doing on your radio talk show. So I'm going to give you six words. This is called the use a word in a sentence round. And okay. so I'll give you each, uh, I'll give you a word and tell me the first thing that comes to your mind and then why. <clears throat> and I've Okay, how it. rapid is this? How long do I have? Can I preach a sermon on each one? I am a pastor. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, you got to act like you're not a pastor. <laughs> and oh, so, yeah. So, right. so what I'll do is I'll give you uh, the, the word okay. and then tell me how it relates uh, to what you're doing now with your radio show. Okay. okay. All right, here All right. we go. Perfect. First word. First word is boomers. Boomers. Well, I know for a fact that those are the uh, in this uh, generation that are born between 1946 and 1964. And I know that we have not been resourced very adequately for life and for what comes, you know, after work and after, you know, everything. And so we really need to get our act together. We have s tremendous potential. If we wake up and see that God has placed us here for a purpose when we can learn that purpose and get after it, because we have gifts, we have experiences, we have personality, we have all that stuff. If I could harness the baby boom generation, we could turn the whole world upside down. It's absolutely fantastic. We've got lots of resources in terms of, you know, finances and wisdom, and we got kids and grandkids. It's uh, it's quite a, it's quite a group. But we have a lot of of uh, a power that really can, when properly understood and harnessed. We can do a whole lot of good for God in our in our neighborhoods and in our world. I love it. I love it. Well, that goes along with the second word. Second word is retirement. Retirement. So somebody asked me recently. They said, Pastor Dan, um, when do you plan to retire? And I said, Let me get back to you on that. I'm going to look it up in the Bible. <laughs> now, I didn't I didn't read the whole Bible, but I can cheat. You know, you look mm -hmm. at the the the, um, the what do you call it? The lexicon or whatever. And, yeah, and I couldn't cordons. find it. Jim, I could not find the word retirement. And so I went back to the person. I said, no, go. Well, the truth is, I mean, I have no intention to retire in the sense of, you know, stopping what has brought my life so much, uh, so much purpose and passion. I don't want to go fishing and golfing and hunting all the time. Uh, I want to continue to do what I'm doing to make a difference. And um, so um, it, it probably also helps a little bit that I can't afford to retire. So I got to keep working. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know, I love, absolutely love what I do. And retirement to me is a nasty word. It's a seven letter word, whatever it is. I have no intention of retiring. And let me say this. I think that everybody ought to be thinking about that word retirement and say, okay, if retirement means to me, that I don't uh, have to, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to work anymore and don't have to depend on uh, the daily income or the weekly, monthly income from my job. Oh, gosh, that just frees up, gives me a lot of freedom to do the things that God has called me to do. If I couldn't do it while I was working, raising kids and busy with all that stuff, now I have more discretionary time and money. Now I can really get get with it and get busy and understand and accept God's call for my life, and I can get busy with it and do it. Man, I love that. You know, discretionary time and money. You know, uh, my, my kids are all out of the house now, and so we now are in this new world where yes. we have more discretionary time and money. 
And right. so we, we're filling that with something. And so right. is that something very selfishly based? I mean, I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. So you mentioned hunting and fishing. Yeah. But my hunting is something I do to fill my tank and to fill my freezer. So for right. me to hunt every day of the week or for me to fish <laughs> well, every day of the week, to me that yeah. creates a mundane existence. It's very selfish, right. egocentric. Right. And at the end of the day, it creates death and not life for me. And so we'll talk about more of that later. But th- yeah. that goes along with the second the th- or the third word I have uh, for you, Dan. And that word is purpose. Oh, wow. I could write a book on that. Um, <laughs> well, the, the thing is, everybody has a purpose of some kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's maybe subliminal. Maybe they don't realize that they get up in the morning and say, gosh, I got to be about my purpose. But for most people, purpose is satisfying self. And you referred to that with your hunting and, and uh-huh. other interests that people have. So I believe that everybody, everybody has a God-given purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, some are not alert and awake to that yet. Some aren't interested in what God has for them. They haven't come that far yet, haven't come to faith, haven't gotten connected with God. But I believe that when we're born and even before, God has given us a a divinely inspired purpose. And the sooner and the better and the more fully we understand what that is and get um, tracking on that and doing it, not only will we be more fulfilled and just in deep, you know, a deep satisfaction with life, but people around us will be blessed. So purpose is huge. I mean, I, I'll just throw out a number. I'm going to guess that maybe 75, you know, maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less, 75% of the population of our boomers don't really have a clear sense of purpose. And so they fill their time with other stuff and it's not fulfilling. It's not rewarding. So there you go. It's purpose. Well, it, it looks really good. It's it, it it's like it's this beautiful cake in a bakery, right? It looks really good on the outside. Yeah, but right. then when you when you experience it, there's there's no context. There's no substance. Yeah, this this retirement for the sake of laying around and doing nothing, it right. looks really good, but it's an empty shell. It's like somebody sucked the ache out of the, the egg out of the shell. Somebody yeah. took the the mix out of the cake and and uh, it's you know, you, you you my dad made a comment. He's 76 and he's been retired and and his, he uh his view of retirement is is very much what you the 75% of people believe and he made a comment that all of his teacher friends who retire die within 3 years after retirement mm-hmm. well the reason why is retirement well i'm i'm i guess i should ask this question not say it it seems to me that retirement oftentimes is an end for people yes and really right. it's just a means do you think that's true or talk oh, to me about uh, that absolutely yeah the thing is see in our generation we are living longer used to be when a guy hit 65 he retired let's just put that in air quotes brought the, brought the lunchbox home for the last day put it up on the shelf sat down in the chair and watched daytime tv and yeah. kind of did whatever he wanted he said ah this is the life this is what i've been working for this is what i've been waiting for the check is going to keep coming in the mail i got it made but what he doesn't understand is that that is a dead end. It's empty. It's shallow. And in in a certain amount of time, he's going to wake up in the morning and he's going to say, this again, this same old routine, this yeah. is all there is. And I want to say, no, this is not all there is. When you get on track with a sense of purpose, your 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 heart lights up, you got fire, you know, you got enthusiasm and things that are meaningful for you and that's that's the guy the 65 year old we're living longer yeah so at 65 we don't live three years and then die that's the social security plan from back in the 40s but now at 65 we're going to live another 10 20 30 years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's going to be pretty mundane and pretty pointless and pretty boring and pretty stupid to live all (laughs) that time with no direction and no purpose and the thing is jim i want to say People who don't have a purpose, it's still for them. You know, if they are even open to the idea of finding their purpose, uh, you know, it's there. It's not an exclusive club. Anybody with a little bit of help can find and work at fulfilling their purpose. And I'm particularly interested in God-given purpose. But, I mean, that's the way to live. And in my mind and with my audience and with the folks that I interact with, Living with a purpose is the only way to live. That's what's what's rich and rewarding and deeply fulfilling. And that's the way that's the way everybody wants to live. Well, you know what's interesting, Dan? A lot of times we over I mean I'm a pastor too. We over spiritualize things. Yeah. And, and you made a comment and you did not over spiritualize it, but I want to clarify it. 
you said uh, you know that finding their purpose, especially their God given purpose. And my mm-hmm. my comment would be that my purpose in life, the only difference between my purpose in life and my God given purpose is who I'm giving the credit for. Because if you know, I, I mean, I can be called to work with teenagers, let's say, and I yeah. become a teacher, right? And I never become a Christian man, but all my life I live as this teacher, which is what God was put it on my heart to do anyway. I just didn't yeah. know it because he wired me that way. The yeah. difference is who am I giving credit for and who is who is my inspiration and who is who am I allowing to equip me? So if I don't have if I don't radically devote myself to Jesus Christ, I may still live according to my purpose although I'm ill-equipped because I do not have the spiritual gifts that God has given me as an unregenerated man. Right. I do not have the inspiration, my motivation is wrong and my purpose at the end of it is myself. And so I can still work in this purpose and have a sense of purpose as a non-Christian man yet never have the tools I need to fully engage in that purpose. Do you think that's a little bit over the top, or what do you think of that? No, I think that's true. I I would just add that not only who you give credit to for, but what is your ultimate outcome objective? Oh, yeah. So if you are a teacher, what do you want to have happen? You want uh, want to raise, in in your case, you want to raise, you know, boys to be good men, uh, you know, with integrity or, you know, whatever it is, uh, or good football players or good whatever, but if you can implant in them with your God-given purpose, implant in them a sense of God-given purpose. And, you know, where do you, I mean, they can be well-equipped, you know, to be, you know, a, a, you know, a teacher or, you know, a lawyer or any kind of occupation. But I think if we leave God out of the equation, we have missed the point. So it's what is, what is your objective? What, what are you wanting to accomplish with your purpose? And that needs to be God-given also. So in other words, I would say if I help somebody become a better a better lawyer or a better doctor or a better, you know, uh, office person or a business manager or an entrepreneur, that's good. But that's all worldly and that will all pass away. And yes, so, I mean, yes. we're you know, there's so much in Scripture that talks about, you know, today is going to be gone and everything that we have and hold is going to be gone but we need to work for a higher calling and a higher purpose and higher level of outcomes. Because if we haven't changed the eternity of a person, we have missed the mark. And that's, you know, and that's a sad thing. We don't want to do that. So that's a kind of a long way to say back to the beginning. I was saying we want to also be mindful of our outcome objectives. What do we want to have happen with the kids that we are teaching or the adults or whatever? Or whatever our occupation is. No, that's really good. I really appreciate the clarification. Well, not the clarification. Clarifying what I said. <laughs> that was really good. Well, hey, I'm gonna. I'm pretty fired up right now. You got me fired up, and I've got some questions here that are not on my original script. And if okay. it's okay with you, I'm gonna move beyond the three other sure. rapid fire words and oh, move right into the okay. interview process. Those other words were aging, strength, and society, and I think that you hit on a bunch of those, but I'm going to move right in. So before we get going, Dan, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal life, the things you enjoy, hobbies, anything else you'd like these guys to hear? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'm so committed to my purpose. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I do. Right. And I uh, uh, currently I live alone and I have a lot of discretionary time. My kids are grown and gone out of the house, out of the region. In fact, I have a son who lives and works in Afghanistan. Uh, he's the uh, deputy country manager for a security wow. firm there. And um, so I stay in touch with him. He was home for his one month uh, break and uh, just left last week to go back for three months. And um, so and this is the son who's now 37, as you said at the top. Mm-hmm. He was 16 when, when his older brother, my firstborn son, died in a tragic plane crash, oh, a private plane. Gosh. And so he was impacted by that trauma and he lived in Joshua's shadow and he adored him and honored him and everything. And when that was taken away, it just really rattled his cage, rattled his life significantly. So, but he has uh, come back from that uh, at 37, it's been 20 years, 21 years. And he has found ways to uh, to resist the um, the uh, all the downsides and to continue to pursue and to be intentional and to really go after it. And here he is uh, nearly at the top of his game in the uh, security industry. So um, th- I'm not sure that answered your question, but that's that's what I give my life to, you know, is to uh, to understand and to to serve my kids in a way that will be uplifting and, and beneficial for them. My daughter lives in California, 33. 
She's kind of an entrepreneur and a teacher. She has a degree in linguistics and early childhood education. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but she's also out of the area. So, um, so I, I live alone. And so I work day and night and I absolutely love it. That's when someone says, when are you going to retire? I say, well, you know, I have no intention of that. <laughs> so no, my, that. yeah, I don't really have, oh, I do have a hobby. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I, I love <laughs> <laughs> So, and I do it regularly and here's how it works. So I have a stunt kite you know, with the two handle ones uh -huh. and you can direct it, you can buzz the beach and you can, and seagulls and you can do flips and dives and all that stuff. And I do that really often. I did it a couple of days ago. And of course, the last time before that was like three years ago. So it's, I'm really stuck on this hobby. <laughs> well, every, you're the first guy years. I've ever talked to who did that. Oh, it's that is, fantastic. I mean, you see the guy, you go to Lincoln city and you see it yeah. all over the place. That's where I was. And uh, you, yeah. know, you do tape razor blades to yours. You take out the other kites. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just you know, because my son's a big uh, uh, drone guy, and so oh, he's got yeah. a camera on his drone. He does all these things. And yeah, I thought, man, if yeah, you were yeah. you, when I was yeah. a little kid, we'd have these razor blades. We'd have we'd have these kite fights with razor <laughs> right. blades, you know, and you'd tape right. them on there. And you know, anyway, cut the fun. string. Yeah, well, go for the string. Yeah, yeah, go for the juggler, baby. <laughs> kite lives. Everything else is over. Yeah. Hey, so so second half now. I love the title of that your show. Yeah. Second half now. Give me the why behind that. What's your why? What motivated <laughs> you to start this radio show? Oh well, uh, gosh, I was coming out of um, a number of years of working in the actually in the funeral business. That's why I wrote that book, Ten Ways to Save Money uh -huh. on a Funeral Plan. I was coming out of there really as a subject matter expert. I knew almost anything that needed to be done about you know cemeteries and and mm -hmm. funeral plans and, and that kind of stuff. So, but I was attending a uh, Christian Chamber of Commerce uh, meeting. And uh, it was a regular monthly meeting. And so uh, visiting that chapter or that meeting for the first time was a guy who was the manager of a local Christian radio show, radio station. And uh, he said when it was his turn to introduce himself, himself he, he told about him and he said, you guys, you guys ought to be uh, thinking about getting into radio. And he was talking to everybody, business people and mm -hmm. ministry people, nonprofits and pastors and stuff. And, you know, he's selling, you know, radio time and ad commercial time and stuff. So, but I, God really kind of tagged me with that. And I said, okay, I mean, I'm a subject matter expert and I'm a communicator. I've been a pastor for many years, a preacher and teacher. Maybe there's a connection here. So I set an appointment to go in and talk to the manager of the station. So he says, so what's your idea for a, uh, for a show? I said, well, listen, hey, this is going to be cool. I'm going to hook up with a, um, with an estate planning attorney and maybe, you know, an elder law attorney or something. We're going to focus on folks in the second half of life. And they'll talk about estate planning and all the financial management. I'll talk about funeral planning. And he said, wow, okay, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> that You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear the word interesting. Right? Yeah, totally. So, so I said, okay, now let me go back to the drawing board. So I just kind of gave it some more prayer and pondering, and I came back. A week later, I said, okay, Paul, how about this? How about I'm no longer the subject matter expert. I'll be the host, and I'll invite good guests and ask good questions. And the topic areas will limit it to five. So it's going to be home and family, health and wellness, budget and finances, heart and soul, and work and purpose. He said, that's a show. So we started doing that, just kind of built from there. And uh, so the key was... Um, you kind of emphasize, as you read the name of the radio show, you emphasize the word now. Yeah. But that has a little bit of a story, too. So I go on uh, GoDaddy to get a domain name, second half, right? And so uh, now there's no, uh, you know, nothing available. There's second half dot squat or whatever. But <laughs> so, you know, with the, the key with that is if you add something to what you want and if it still makes sense, you know, then you might have something. So I put in the word now and it said that's available. So I got it. Oh, so, but it also gives the sense of urgency yes. because the second half, if you are in the second half, we want to talk to you now. We want a resource uh, for your life now. We want to give you um, ideas and uh, tools and inspiration for living a life that matters in the second half, because now is the time to do that. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't ignore it. Don't brush it away. You want to live a life of purpose and meaning now. Well, it's funny because I, I heard a story of a church in Hawaii one time that was uh, advertising uh, uh, an Easter service or something, and they had this yeah. big neon sign that said, Jesus is coming soon. 
But the problem is that the O and the N came off. The, 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 the light stopped working, and it said, Jesus is coming, so. And I, I had yeah. to laugh because, you know, your show is called Second Half Now, but I think so many retired boomers are saying second half, no. <laughs> you know? And, and so, and it's like your, uh, your producer friend said, you know, interesting is boring. You know, and yeah. so second half doesn't say a whole lot, but second half now says, hey, guys, it's time to get out of the bleachers of retirement right. and get in the game. You know, I know that you're tired. I know that you've worked a hard life, but but what you have is you bring wisdom, you bring experience, you bring yep. knowledge, you bring education. Right. You Maybe you don't have the energy you once have. Maybe you don't. You can't move with the prowess that you used to, but but you have more. I believe you have more to bring to the table than you've ever you've ever had to bring in your second half. That's my own uh, personal I, opinion. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. And the thing is, uh, a man would be surprised at how energizing a sense of purpose is. You forget that you're tired. You forget that you're out of energy. You forget your pains, you know, in your in your hips or shoulder or wherever. Because when you're living with a sense of purpose, I mean, you get up and go and, you know, nobody can stop you. It is energizing. It's fulfilling. I mean, and you just want to do more of it. Once you find that, I don't say magic, but once you find that sweet spot and, and you know, I've, I've had men say, this is, this is why I was born. It just took me 60 years to get here. Yeah. Well, so and, uh, let's go back to this because we yeah. keep talking about this word purpose. Let me, yeah. let me read about your radio show. You said, uh. There are 76 million baby boomers who want to have a measure of purpose and meaning in, you said, our lives. I'm going to put the word their Mm -hmm. lives. And then you wrote, there is a deep need inside of each of us, and I believe this is for all of us, in each of us to make a difference in some way and to live out our potential. So can you... so? So we're talking about purpose. Now, the one question that we haven't answered, and because we keep saying this, I want to dive into this a little bit more, Dan. So, okay, so I'm a 60-year-old man, or let's say I'm 65. I retired uh, last month. In fact, I just was on the plane last night taking my wife. My wife had emergency surgery in Mexico while on vacation, so I had to go down there and pick her up. And on the way back, I I was sitting next to a guy. A neat guy, neat guy from uh, the state of Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, who had just retired, like just retired. And so he's moving to this new life of retirement. And so so how do I, uh, as a 65-year-old man, how do I find purpose after retirement? How do I, or as a 35-year-old guy living in a stress bubble, how do you help men find purpose? What what are the steps? What, what, What is the recipe? What is the equation? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's a little premature because um, we are working on curriculum and conferences and uh, engagement opportunities because I don't think that it's easy necessarily for a person to say, okay, I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to spend a half an hour on Google, and we'll all be ready to go. So there are some hidden secrets about fulfillment uh, that, that people need to know and how to find how you're wired. And, uh, you know, it, you can really discover your purpose or at least take a step in the right direction toward that. And then you'll have iterations of that. So you say, OK, well, I was heading this way, but now it looks like I've got that far. Now, here's a here's a good clarifying direction. I'm going to move toward this. It is a process and uh, we don't have those things yet, uh, but that's definitely part of our uh, our agenda. What we're doing, we'll be hosting uh, gatherings around the region here uh, and in all the markets where our show will be uh, aired. And there will be those kinds of things, you know, uh, instruction step by step. Well, you so know, it's, it's not a one size fits all. Everybody's got to engage in this kinds of questions and answer it for themselves. But it's amazing how how exciting it gets when somebody says, oh, oh, yeah, that I can see myself there, you know, and then you you try that for a little bit and you say, okay, I'm going to adjust it a little bit. Maybe it's refined this way, but you get enthusiastic and you get filled with anticipation and uh, you want to get after it because it just starts to, mm-hmm. here's the thing, Jim, sorry to interrupt, but I'll say this one last thing. Oh, you didn't um, interrupt me. I was um, uh, humming you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Here's what happens. And I suspect that it has happened to you. So you, you get a vision, you get a sense of purpose, right? Let's just call it a vision. And I don't mean a dream or something. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, it become, becomes clear what it is. 
and you start going after it and you give a lot to it and you just, man, this is it. This is it. And pretty soon you realize and listen, listen closely. You realize that you don't have, you've gotten to that point where you don't have the vision anymore. Hmm. The vision has you. Oh, that's good. That's good. You, you I started a lot. I lo got lost for a second in that, but you, you got me. The dramatic yeah. pause got me. You hooked me in there. Yeah. You don't have the vision. The vision has you. Right. And that's what, that's when you know you have found uh, your purpose. Now there are, you know, steps to get there, but when then you surrender, and then you say, "Golly," and and I can even say, "God, this is my life now. This is what I'm for. You have me. You have me where mm -hmm. you want me." Help me, show me, give me the strength and the stamina and the ability and the wisdom and the courage, whatever it takes to fill this out. Because, And that's when you can genuinely, I think, use the word passion. Well, I'm, I've got a guy on the podcast uh, coming on next week or two weeks from now, I can't remember, Michael Thompson. And I've been oh, yeah. processing a couple of things that he's written about. You said something very powerful, Dan. I don't want our guys to miss this. You said, quote, it is a clarifying process and it is it's yes. a it's a it's a it's a trial and error process and i i wrote this down the three questions that we need to ask in in clarifying this process and understand our purpose who am i you know i'm a i'm a mm -hmm. son of god i'm a child of the king i'm a prince of the prince of princes you know what i mean i right. am this child of god i i find my identity and this is where men fail is if men don't go all the way back to the beginning and find their identity and the identity and the god who created them there right. there there's a lostness there the yeah. second thing is where am i god why am i living in in 2018 in mcminnville oregon uh, with a beautiful wife of 26 years and three sons and and living in a, a I'm not a city guy. I'm not a city guy. I, I can't stand the city, live in the city. I'm a, I'm a rural kind of redneckish guy. You know, why am yeah. I that? Why am I? Where am I, Lord? And then the last question yeah. is, why am I? Why am I here? Yeah, I like it. You know, and John yeah. Eldridge in his book, Killing Lions, says that the, the questions, who am I and why am I here, are the most important questions that we can ask. So I really yeah, love that. But I love what you said. It's a clarifying process. It, we yeah. don't just step into our purpose tomorrow, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I would say that I've uh, I've been going, uh, you know, forty years until I got real clear on my purpose. And and the, it's kind of a circular thing because I say to people, I say, my purpose in life is to help other people find their purpose. Ooh, that's and good. That's it in a nutshell. Not everybody has that purpose, but it took me. It, to clarify that, I mean, I'm, I've been a pastor and I'm a resource um, um, development specialist. I've been around the world training pastors and missionaries and seminary students. And it was all meaningful and all, you know, uh, important work. But it started to come home to me when I realized that really what I was working at is helping people of all kinds and in all places to find and fulfill their purpose. Gosh, and once cool. I'm on that track, that'll never go away. It has me. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a short break to okay. hear from the sponsor of the Man Card Podcast, and we'll be right back after that. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Hey, so I have a question uh, regarding that, uh, Dan. So is there a certain point in life 
where our society marginalizes seniors adult senior adults you know is there has our society said okay you are a contributing part of society until this point and my question is is it a wise thing <clears throat> especially for a fatherless generation is it a wise thing to throw away our boomers and say hey we don't need you anymore you know and then the other thing is how have boomers and all senior citizens for that matter how are they at fault in allowing this marginalization to happen well i think the answer is in the way that you phrased the question uh-huh. you know uh throwing people away and telling them they don't matter anymore yes so there is a point where a person, and it can happen at different stages, where they sort of get diminished in terms of their contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see, uh, and, and we have to catch ourselves doing this. You know, I'm seeing somebody, you know, in McDonald's. It's an older couple. You know, they're both gray-haired and glasses and have a walker and a cane, and they're sitting in their plaid shirt and their pants too high for the guy, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And you I just described Dale. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Only his are his are tight, skinny jeans. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. So then, you know, my mind naturally goes to the conclusion. Well, you know, they they may be getting by, but they're not. You know, they're not contributing much. Yeah. And I and I think of them as an as as older people, as old people. Yes. But what yes. I have to realize, they weren't always that way, and they were like I am, and my, they were like my sons were are right. And they, because they had, they had energy and they had purpose, but now they're, they're aged, you know, and they're old. But I want to say that those are people, if they've been able to keep their, their mental capacities together, they're able to um, provide wisdom. Now, sometimes they're just kind of stuck in a rut and the old way is the only way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there is a place where you get to that point, right? When, there's there's not a lot that you can contribute anymore and yeah. I, I don't know when that is there's no set age but you know we have such a such an onslaught of dementia and alzheimer's that is so frightening for us uh you know in this second half mm-hmm. and you're, you're in your 60s and 70s i'm gonna have a guy on my show is gonna drive down from seattle to be on my show he's a He's a Harvard medical doctor, and he's done a lot of research. He's a leading uh, researcher in um, neurology, and the um, his his whole point is to help people early on to uh, postpone or prevent the onset of Alzheimer's and uh, dementia. And because we're frightened about that, because what happens when you realize, oh my gosh, it's not just forgetting where I put my keys. I'm looking at my friend and I can't remember his name and you know, you're slipping into it. There's no cure and there's no reversing. Right. And yeah. so that's a, that's a really, really tough time. I kind of got off t- subject there, but I well, think, uh, you know, it's something that, that we can gain from older people, even when they're not producing a whole lot, we can serve them and that gives us purpose. There's such a, there's a huge senior industry you know, placement services and in-home care and elder law and all that. And we can find meaning and purpose in being servants. And I think that's a key to being a man is really to be a servant, not a, not a doormat, but to, uh, but to passionately serve people. And uh, that's one place that we can do that. Well, you made a comment uh, and I'm going to, I broke it into pieces. You, you talked about the old people wearing the high waters and the walkers and the plaid, yeah. which I think plaid is pretty cool. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I need to get a cane. Anyway, but you said they had, but now. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed, Dan, as I've gotten older, when my kids were in high school and elementary school, they were we were involved in sports. We were involved in school. We were involved yeah. in the youth group. We were involved in so many things. We had a huge, huge circle of influence, right? Hundreds yeah. of people that yeah. we were interacting with. But now that they're out of the house... That has, you know, I've got my oldest is working in the workforce, my middle is in the workforce, and my youngest is actually playing college football. So now I've got this greatly diminished was the word you used. At some point mm-hmm. you said certain people get diminished. So I have this diminished circle of influence. So yeah. so the I think part of the problem, maybe it's not a problem, part of the process, part of the clarifying process, as you put so well, is that as my circle of influences diminishes when the kids leave and I'm out of the bubble, we have to find some place to contribute. You said men are servants, and I agree wholeheartedly. We need to find some place 
to contribute. This man I was talking to on the plane last night who just retired said he's volunteering tw- uh, twice a week with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. has found that. And I think maybe that's part of the problem, right? We lose the circle of influence because all of our kids are out of the house now. And now we're retired, so we lose that influence at work. And a man just kind of fades into oblivion instead of saying, I need to find a new place where I can impact and insert myself into the lives of those who really need my wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, a friend of mine in his late 70s, he he put it this way. He says, if what you do, he's talking about when you're working, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And when you're in that uh, sphere of influence, if, if what you do is who you are, then when you don't, you aren't. You're in trouble. Yeah. We are yeah. not, our job does not define us. And this is one of the messages that we have to get really clear to men because you put me and you and five other guys in a circle, Dan. What's the first thing you're going to ask a guy? What's your name? What's the second question? What do you do? Yes. And so we've. Or we've, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> how, how, yeah. Well, you don't want to know my answer. But, you know, the okay. problem is we are, we identify with our work. So once we're done with work, yes. that, that really does give men a sense of purpose. Right. So when a man retires, he not only loses his job or forfeits it or gives it up, but he loses a sense of purpose. So where does he find that new sense of purpose? Yeah, he loses his identity. He loses his identity. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm going to tell you about another. I would say this guy is probably the same one, same age as the guy that I was telling you about at McDonald's. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So this guy is kind of feeble. I mean, the guy in McDonald's, he's got his walker and is, uh, you know, wearing his pants too high and a plaid shirt. You said you like plaid. Maybe that was you. Uh, uh, anyway. You might have seen so, me, man. Yeah, yeah. But listen, I've got a friend, uh, 84 years old. His name is Bud Lindstrand. He was the former CEO of Moda. Whoa. Moda Health. You know, they've got the You told me about him. That, yeah. You told me about him. So I'm telling you what, Jim, this guy is down at the gym. Speaking of gym, he's <laughs> different spelling. G-Y-M. Yep. He's out at the gym every morning and he says, I have to do this or, uh, you know, my, you know, my strength will go away. So he's on the, he does cardio, he does strength resistance and all that stuff. 84 years old. He is the, he and his wife lead the, uh, the um, uh, prayer team for the Luis Palau organization. Whoa. He is involved with ministries. I mean, he says, I'm running the race and I'm going to run until the finish line. And he's such an inspiration to me. I met him a couple of years ago, and uh, we continue to meet at his, air quotes, office, which is a coffee shop not too far from his house. And uh, I've adopted him as my, my role model and my mentor because he took that company when, back when it was ODS here in the local area. People will connect with that. It was Oregon Dental Service. It was a, a dental insurance company. Uh, they were uh, had an annual revenue when he started of three um, – Three million, and, you know, small company. So when he was done with them as CEO, they were doing five hundred million. Oh my! And now, God. now, and he's been out for 15, 20 years. I'm not sure exactly. Now they're doing three billion a year, and I think they're the largest privately owned uh, company in the state of Oregon. So, and and he says that the reason that they are successful is because of the biblical principles that he. Uh, that he built into that company, and he's passionate, he's good, he's smart. Uh, he just finished an MBA uh, from Northwestern. He already had a business degree from Harvard. He just finished an uh, MBA at 84? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just sent you an email. I want to get that guy on my show talking about finishing strong. Oh, for sure. So that that yeah. is that is really, really good. So yeah. I want to get in here. We're running, we're so engaged in this. I just want to make sure I get to some things before we have to end our okay. show. So you talk about five core priorities on your show, yes. and yes. I want to walk through and explain each. And so if, if we could do that briefly, we've got about 20 minutes left, and I'm sure that you know we're on a roll here. This is just so good, Dan. It's so important for yeah. our young guys, I'm talking young guys, anybody under 50, to listening to this show so they can they can navigate through this thing called retirement, this thing through life, and they can actually finish life well and finish life strong instead of finishing life wrong. And so, uh, under Absolutely. so your first the first of your five core priorities is home and family, and then yes. you say this: our relationships are critical to our sense of wholeness 
and belonging. Our residence is our refuge, our primary place of love and memories. So when you are talking to men in their second half about home and family, what are you wanting to get across here? Well, uh, did you? Is the question about men in particular? Did you? Say well, yeah, because our show is men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it is, and I, I want to, you know, maybe just overuse a word: is being a man. <laughs> it is accepting responsibility of leadership and servanthood. It is maintaining quality, meaningful relationships with everybody in your family, uh, your parents, you know, your siblings, and particularly your kids, because you are, for much of their life, you are their primary influence and what are you saying and what are you showing mm. what's the model that you give because if you fly off the handle at the least little thing you know then you, and here's the thing i mean your kids get discouraged about that they get beat up about that and it's just not they don't they, they don't want to be influenced by you but we know that a child's um perception of their father is how most children will grow up to, to perceive God. Mm. So if you are critical, if you are short-tempered, if you are distant and aloof, if you're always too busy for them, they will by nature just automatically, I mean, it's not right and it's not fair, but they will think, well, that's what God is like. Yeah, true. Because that's true. God, is, you know, my father is that influence in me and I transfer that. So, so you want to be really careful about that. And with your relationship with your wife. Uh, man, I tell you, that has to be critical. You have to spend time. You have to, and you have to make time. You know, a lot of men will say, "Well, I don't have time for that." Well, make time for that because that's important. That's why I put it at the top of the list. Because if you oh, so fail good. in that, if you have a, got, if you got a flat tire in your relationships, in your family, then nothing else is going to make sense. And every other thing that you do, so what? It doesn't count. Can I ask right. this if question? You, I have a question sure. here that you've inspired a question, and I, I've been str not struggling with this, but I've heard this no less than five times in the last six months, okay? okay. I've, I've, I've heard this from men who are disengaged from their children or their yeah. grandchildren, yeah. and they use this phrase, well, they don't ever call me. Why don't they ever call me? Why don't they ever text me? And you said uh, it's about accepting responsibility. Now, would you agree with me that if I am the, so I'm the patriarch of my my family, so my, my sons and my grandchildren, I am their patriarch. Would you agree that it's my responsibility to engage and insert myself in those relationships, or would you say I should wait for them to engage with me? Because I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you agreeing with me. I just need you to affirm that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> you ask such easy questions. I can tell by the way you ask it what answer you're hoping for. I know. Well, it's because I'm, I'm just like going. I, I keep telling these guys the same thing. You're the dad. You're the grandpa. Exactly. Uh, I'll say it like this: My kids don't call me. I want to say, shut up. You call them, man. Yeah. I mean, now it could be that maybe, you know, um, the kids did something to kind of fracture the relationship or whatever else, but don't ever, ever, ever give up. I mean, you have to kind of calibrate it so the right frequency and the right yes. tone, even if it's a text, even a smiley face in the middle of the day, or I love you, or thinking about you today. I mean, I, I, I use WhatsApp because that's kind of global and I can send a text to my son. He's in the middle of his busy day running this big company in Afghanistan. I just send a little thinking about you or praying for you or something. I love you. And uh, it just it does something. And yes. and he, he may not call me right then. I mean, we have a, a good relationship, but, um, you know, it's so, you have to take the initiative. Don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Don't wait for good things to come to you. Don't wait for your kids to come to you. That's lame. In fact, uh, you know, thing I, I heard this from, you know, Rick Warren is so good at making, you know, a lot of mileage out of little words. Oh, so yeah. He says, oh, yeah. So what what happens, Jim, is what you're saying is the guy that says, well, my kids don't don't call me. What you are doing is you are blaming them. And here's what Rick Warren says. You know what blame is? Be lame. <laughs> <laughs> I love Don't do that. I, I love I I mean it's like grow up. You're the man. These are kids. Exactly. If you've harmed them or if they've harmed you, make it right. You right. know, are you familiar right. with Harvard University's grant study? Have you heard of this study? 
I've heard about it. Don't know much about so it. So what? So a guy named George Valant uh, studied, uh, tracked the lives of 260 men over the last 75 years, uh-huh. and these men were uh, Caucasian males from Harvard University. They were born between 1919 and 1924, and they want. So these men are in their late 90s, mm-hmm. the ones that are surviving, and they wanted yeah. to track um, healthy aging. Okay. Healthy yeah. aging. And here's what they came up with without going into detail. In case after case, the secret formula for long and happy and fulfilling life was the capacity for intimacy combined with persistence, discipline, order, and dependability. Mm-hmm. In other words, the men who could be affectionate yeah. towards people and organize about things lived long and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy enjoyable lives. And so this is this this relationships, if our relationships as senior adult men are fragmented. That has an effect on the quality and longevity of our life. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. And, you know, we could have said the same thing, only now we have proof, right, from Harvard. Yeah. Well, they, so, they but wrote it's it. So, I mean, it's so, it's so powerful. I mean, for the guy who expects, you know, fulfillment to come to him, you know, sit in the rocking chair and watch daytime TV. Waiting or, for that call know. or text. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, with all due respect, you know, older guys can get into a bit of a funk. And they just kind of feel down and they feel lost and they're and they're waiting for the kids to call. I mean, mm-hmm. what happens when you're in the nursing home and the kids don't come and visit you? We don't call them that anymore. But, yeah, you know, I mean, um, that's you have to build your your reserves right now in, you know, when you're younger, in your 20s and 30s and 40s and never, ever, ever let your kids doubt that you love them. Oh, I so have powerful. gone through some really, really difficult times with Zachary. Uh, you know, he just went haywire after Josh died and he was so rebellious and just so he hated me and hated everything I stood for. And he said, I'm sick and tired of being told what to do. And so I said, OK, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go join the army. <laughs> so it didn't make it. <laughs> OK, they don't tell you what to do there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Easy going. Yeah. So, and he was at army rangers, you know, special ops and all that tough guy stuff. But um, but he has said and done some things that are really painful and really hurtful. Yeah. But I had to be careful. Like my dad treated me, my dad never, even though I was a troublemaker, my dad never gave me reason to doubt that he loved me and yep. he believed in me. That is so powerful because yep. boys want to know, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And they find that out from their father. So the second point, one of your core priorities is health and wellness. Yeah. And you wrote on your website, how we feel and function. I love that. How we feel and function will determine how we can engage in purposeful, there it is, activities. Yeah. Our physical condition can be a platform or a prison. So talk me That's through good. that. Where'd you get that? I'm telling you what, you wrote that if you or somebody who's a <laughs> lot smarter than you. Oh. <laughs> I love that. What That's talk us hard, through yeah. that. Um, well, you know, you you wake up in the morning and say, gosh, I just don't feel up to it, or I, I got this pain that's still, you know, and well, why is that? Are you taking good care of yourself? Are you working out? Are you do you have disciplines? I think that's really the key. Do you have patterns and disciplines in your life? Because if you're not mm. if you're not healthy and well physically and uh, mentally and emotionally, then you're not going to be able to do much about fulfilling your purpose as much as you might want yes. to. And I call, you know, falling short in any of these five areas, I call it a flat tire. And, you know, if you got one flat tire, you don't say, well, the rest of them are okay. Let's just keep going. No, That's it's going to stop you. You're not going to be able to move ahead if you got a flat tire in health and wellness. That's really, we need, especially and, as we get older, right? It's a lot easier absolutely. to go off that slippery slope. Yeah. And my doctor friend is coming down to talk about things you can do when you're younger to prevent and postpone the onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. He will talk to your younger guys and say, you've got to be doing this. And it's physical things, it's mental things, it's nutrition, it's all mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Because if you don't if you don't do those things now and get into those practices and those habits, you will pay the price later. That's health and wellness really is a key. Because if you don't if you're not healthy and if you're not well, you're not going to be able to fulfill your purpose, and you're just going to sit in a chair and die. I mean, yeah, you—that's gruesome, but it's true. I love it. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I because of the podcast, I read and be, even before that, right, Dale? I read thirty books a year, twenty to thirty books a year. Yeah. Now with yeah. a podcast, I'm forced to read them faster, and some books <laughs> I don't even like. And so, and but but what happens is it's causing my mind to function, yeah. and being engaged in one-on-one right. relationships regularly right. causes my mind to function, and trying to eat. I find that when I eat like a high carbo diet, my brain, everything gets foggy. 
But when mm-hmm. I reduce some of that stuff, I, I'm clear and my mind is yeah. focused. And so there right. are some, and then exercise. I, you know, studies show that you have 30% more energy if you exercise in the morning. And so there are some good stuff out there. So third, you you talk about budget and finances, which really is a challenge when you get on a fixed instant income. And you right. said our financial situation can become a source of security or stress. Short and long range planning and action are essential. And so talk me through that as you uh, deal with uh, the over 50 crowd. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal published a, a survey um, a couple of years ago that showed that 87% of baby boomers would rather die than outlive their money. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So chew on that for a little bit. And and I brought that up in our sponsors meeting just earlier today. And, um, and there was some shock and said, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense because what are you going to do? You run out of money. You go on Medicaid or you get placed somewhere or your kids, you know, have to figure out what to do. I mean, it's just so you have to do the the budgeting and financing, you know, now when you're younger, when you can. And you have to set disciplines for yourself, because if you're hurting financially, it's stressful and you're distracted and you can't help anybody else. You're not free to give of yourself on a regular basis to fulfill your purpose or your passion because you're just so strapped. You got that flat tire. You can't do anything. It just, it kind of isolates you and it takes over everything. If every time you turn around, you go to the grocery store and you say, well, I can only buy two bananas. I can't get three because mm. you're under all that stress. I mean, that is no way to live, but you got to take care of it and maintain it. So that's what Bud Lindstrand with Moda, that's what he would say. And would you say that these same people, this 87% that would rather die than outlive their money, are they also uh, the same people that are unwilling to go back to work and bag groceries as a fun job to make a little bit more money and have uh, some some kind of sense of purpose or fulfillment? Or is this I just... I think it's, it's, it's just a mix. It's just, uh, it's just general. And some okay. people find that they do go back into the workforce Whatever it is, you know, I mean, our, our, our friend at McDonald's in the plaid shirt, he might be a greeter at Walmart for all we know, right? Yeah, totally. And some go back there because they need the activity uh, or their wife says, honey, don't you have something to do? Get out of the house and create a little uh, income and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any common denominator. But, okay. Uh, and I'll say, too, I think I've heard from a financial planner or an estate planning attorney that... Uh, 95%, and again, this is kind of random. I don't know if it's exactly yeah. true, but 95% of us boomers don't have $10,000 in the bank. Whoa. And so that creates a real issue. So they're so, surviving on Social Security. Well, yeah, or not surviving, yeah. or just getting by. Or they, they, they go to the store and say, honey, I'll be back in a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to buy you know, get our prescriptions fulfilled or we're going to pay the light bill. I, we have to make a choice. That's And that's that happens more often than you realize. But now's the time early. The earlier, the better to get those things on board and in process. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you, don't need yeah. a, you don't need a pile of money, but you do need to. And I think you ought to plan to work the rest of your life. I really do. I do, too. I, it's I do engaging. Too. It's fulfilling. It's rewarding. And if you get extra money more than you need, well, find some creative and wonderful things to do with it. Well, and work may look different at 70, but but to, but do something. You know, I mean, my wife says, well, I, I understand that you don't want to retire, but at least I, I, w- I want to have the choices right. financially to do things, right. and I don't want to have to work. And I, I understand right. that. And so, hey, choice. so your fourth uh, priority here is, is a little bit curious for me. You wouldn't think so as a pastor, but you said heart and soul, and you wrote, this is our faith life. It's connecting to God, finding and following his purpose for our life. Uh, this adds the deepest dimension in our existence. And what was curious to me, Dan, is not the faith component, but the heart component. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know guys that are old and thriving. When I say old, older than me, old and thriving, have they still have the eye of the tiger. They're young and vibrant. They have a, yeah. a childlike outlook on life. And I know these grumpy, sour <laughs> yeah. men. And I tell somebody, really? hey, if, if three people call you and ask, go buy a bridal. You know, and, and these guys are, are people that are disliked by their family. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. not connected. And so I think of the heart as well. And so walk me through this. Well, one way to look at that, Jim, I think would be to, uh, and maybe, I don't know if you're talking about Christians and non-Christians, but when you are connected to God, like that little description says, yeah. what you have access to by the power of the Holy Spirit is you have access to the fruit of the Spirit. 
And when you find that list of those nine things, mm -hmm. I mean, this is what everybody would want to be around, uh, you know, so it's manifested in others, but you want to have it in yourself too. So we're talking about love and joy and peace. Let's see, love, patience. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yep. There's the menu, right? There's the list. That's the recipe. And so I want to be around people like that. And that's and and then it's reflective. It's it's energizing. And I want to manifest those things to people around me too. And the, the grumpy guy doesn't have much of that of those things, right? Well, but and that's it the, is yeah. available to him. Well, and 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 I I I I struggle to throw the word Christian around because mm -hmm. that word uh, is so loosely used in our country. Yes. It means right, right wing. A conservative NRA right. member, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it means so many things. Narrow-minded, judgmental. Bigoted. Yeah, and so I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I mean, I think, um, I get it. I think a guy, yeah, I struggle a little bit. So I believe what you're saying 100 percent that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithful, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the spirit of a man who's committed yeah. to Jesus. Uh, I also think that a guy who isn't committed to those things, even though he may be called a Christian, can still be bitter and grumpy and anonymous. Absolutely. And so this yeah, is where I, this is, it always comes back to, hey, Jesus does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be all of your <laughs> yeah. life. And so yeah. the sooner we as men can understand that, the sooner we can understand our purpose, the sooner we can fulfill our uh, uh the, the and become the best best version of ourselves anyway right. i i i resonate with the faith part but i i struggle because i realize i know a lot of christian guys that are rotten and 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 horrible yeah. men and they they hide under the banner of christian or i attend church and they never change and so it's not about church it's about jesus and how committed are you to him? <laughs> right. So, well, and I think the key is, and I slipped, I'm, I'm, I'm purposing to not use the word Christian as much anymore. Yes, me too. But to substitute that for Christ follower. Good. I love and it. Yeah. When you're doing that, that's a whole different thing. And it reminds me, you know, we got the bumper sticker that says, Lord, deliver me from your followers. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one that says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, yeah. hey, uh, uh, one. So the fifth one here, and maybe the most important one is work and yeah. purpose. We've been talking about the whole time, and yeah. we don't need to camp on this. But you just wrote our occupation can be an extension of who we are, and it can give us an opportunity to use our talents and strengths to bless others. So I just, Amen, brother. I mean, preaching the <laughs> choir. So hey, one last yeah. question before we okay. move on. Uh, here at the Man Card Podcast, Dan and I've shared this with you before. We believe five things uh, characterize. Uh, and make up a man. They are protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. I think I could guess the answer, but I'm not going to. I'm going to ask you, which of these five uh, really stands out the most for you personally and why? Well, in my current life situation, I would say the last one, finishing strong. Uh -huh. uh, was that your guess? Yeah, because well, that's your podcast. <laughs> that's your show. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you can't finish strong if you haven't run well to begin with. Ooh, that's and so good. it is for all ages. Mm -hmm. And when you when you strike out on that marathon or that uh, that baton, you capture the baton or whatever it is, whatever you want to picture. Maybe it's a road race or something. But um, you gotta you gotta do you gotta live um, victoriously and purposely for the whole time. Then you can live strong. It 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 doesn't. It's not as effective as if you wake up at 75 and say, oh, gosh, I guess I should finish strong. Where am I starting? Well, mm -hmm. I've kind of blown it for 75 years. So you have a much better, like my friend Bud, down at the gym at 84 and uh, the leader, the he and his wife, the leader of the Luis Palau National Prayer Team um, and engaged. I mean, this guy, and, and he's going to, he says, uh, when you look at the, um, Paul's writings about running the race, he says, it's not just finishing, it's finishing well. It's mm -hmm. crossing the line, you know, running strong until the very end. Oh, that so, is so good. That is, yeah, that's rich. I mean, I, I, one of the poems, I don't know who wrote it, but I love it. It says, though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, you can start from now and make a brand new end. But the longer you yeah. wait to do that, the yeah. more difficult it is. And I love it. You said you can't finish strong if you haven't run well to begin with. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast mm -hmm. is to get these guys 
uh, running well and on the right course. And so, Dan, man, I, I, we could have gone forever here. I'm so intrigued with what you're doing. I love uh, what you're doing. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share your wisdom and experience with our men in the arena and for being a man in the arena yourself. That's great. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the opportunity to have you have on the so, show. So how can these guys get a hold of your radio show and start listening? Uh, secondhalfnow.com. And all of our shows are up there. We've got about 100 of them up there. We have a little uh, bio. Uh, I mean, the, the, I, I give a title to every show. And um, so you just scroll up and down and find one and listen to it. They're 30 minutes and uh, a lot of power, a lot of content in there, a lot of encouragement. Well, and I'm excited to come on your show myself in December. I guess I'm 52, so that puts me in the second half. <laughs> you are. You're one of us. Yay. Oh, man, I'm not a boomer. I missed it by a year, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll own that. But I, I'm not really official until I can get a discount at Sherry's. So oh, I've got a couple man. more years, and I am married to a 49-year-old, so she's just a baby. So, <laughs> hey, Dan, thanks so much. Guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you're ever going to do, but we want to start uh, helping you along in your battle by three things, guys. First of all, enlist in the men in the arena. Uh, Facebook forum for men. Go get a part of that. Be a part of that page. Download our free app, The Great Hunt for God, and subscribe to the Man Card Podcast. Continue to write positive reviews, and we will send you some swag. Number two, guys, invest in your life. Get engaged in things that will make you a better man. Listen to Second Half Now. Invest in resources that will grow you into the man that God has called you to be. And thirdly, we want you guys to change your world. Live a life of purpose. Become the man that God has created you to be. Serve in your community. Get involved in your church. Coach your kids' football games. If you're an older guy who's retired, get down there and and coach those kids and get involved in your church and serve in your community. Man, you have value. You have worth. We desperately, desperately need you to stay in the arena. Guys, join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode the man card podcast this is dale culver signing off until next time join our army and become the best version of you get in the arena let the world feel the full weight of who you are grind it out be a man What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.